There was a time that we used to call this day Vision Sunday. But we realized our vision hasn't changed for a long, long time. So what we do is when everybody's back and everybody's ready, we launch things. And so today we're going to launch a number of things in your site, in our family, and to set us up for what God is wanting to say to us in this year that we are calling the year of transformation. We've prophesied that over Hope Center, and the team have just caught this, this thought, this big God thought over our house in 2024, and a picture tells a thousand words, so why don't you have a look at the screen and catch our media piece today. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. For generations, the people of this church have heeded the call of Scripture to rebuild, raise up, repair, and restore, to bring life into dry and broken places, to see heaven on the streets of the city. Because there is a call of God for us for this church to see his kingdom come. So together, to this end, we work to bring transformation into our city. Over a thousand showers to people sleeping rough through the mobile shower truck operating four nights a week out of Brisbane. In Logan, serving and building relationships through community lunch and partnership with Woodridge State High School and helping those in need through Second Bible. Shaping generations in Morton through Mimi's house, celebrating over 300 students now graduated from the program. Our Redlands Community Lunch on Russell Island, serving the community with a meal and an offer to pray for people's needs. In partnerships in Ipswich developed through Help Day and local engagements, and recently spending time as chaplains in the Red Bank Town Square, alongside a number of other crucial services for the community, all of which continues to see life, justice, and hope brought into our communities, all of which we do because people matter, because we want to see the hope, the life, the peace of Jesus made known in our cities. And this work is not an obligation, it is the outworking of the power at work within us, a power that transforms, a power that takes the broken and makes them whole, that meets us where we are and leads us home, the power of Jesus. That as we behold Him, old ways make way for new. Sin for holiness, selfishness for selflessness, confusion for clarity. He leads us from lost to found, from rage to peace, from hurt to whole, into purpose, into truth, into life. We believe this is a year of transformation for every person, for every city. This is our call. This is our heartbeat. And this is the mission of our church. We bring the message of Jesus in a way that transforms people and cities. We've been sharing over the last few weeks the whole dynamic of who this church is. In some expression, we've been around now for decades. 
And it's amazing when you understand your history, you begin to get a glimpse of the prophetic plan that God had for his people when ministries were planted. And we've begun to unpack that and and begun to look at, at who and what we are because once you know who you are, you can understand what you should do. We've been saying identity determines activity. We've caught it in one simple sentence. You've just seen it on our media peaks. One simple vision statement that captures everything that we are meant to do as followers of Jesus. The simple vision statement, you may see it in front of you, it says, we bring the message of Jesus that transforms people and cities. Let me tell you something. The good news of Jesus has transformative power. Can somebody say amen? Wherever you are, can you say amen? Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the good news of the gospel. There's no name that compares to the name of our Savior. And today we're going to talk for a few minutes out of the book of Acts. We're going to zone in on, on how one man was changed because of the power of one name. The name above every other name. We, we, we're just so captivated by the authority that is in the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus changes lives. In fact, God's plan for the planet is to change one life at a time. And when lives are changed, families get changed. And when families get changed, communities begin to feel a knock-on effect of the kingdom of God coming amongst people. I love being part of a church that, that gets that. Mimi's house, started up there by our team, Pastor Grant and Kim, in Morton so many years ago now, and the hundreds of not just children, but because of what they've experienced, now families, and because of what families have experienced beyond that, the kingdom of God coming. Uh, over the last few years, I've had the joy of standing on the side as I watch the Mimi's House kids that have graduated bring their families to hear the gospel at our Christmas carols. It's amazing. You saw what we do on Russell Island. You've seen what we as a church family have done at the start of this year, the Sunday just before school went back. We do a, a program called School Startup. In one day, in one moment, not without any begging and pleading or anything else, we just said, hey, how about we help children get to school and start school well? $20,000 like that as a church. Because we know when we help a child, we help the family. The knock-on effect as, as we see Jesus exalted and people get helped in his name. I mean, we could go on and on. Alpha. One of my team recently shared how they, they said, you know, Bring all your new friends and you, people that are yet to know Jesus to Alpha. And, and somebody got up who was at this stage quite far from Jesus and, and saw the message of Christ presented through that wonderful program. And at the end, they said, it all makes sense now. It all makes sense now. You can only imagine what Jesus is going to do in their life. And when they go back and take it to others, it spreads. It spreads. Now, mandate comes out of that thought. One life affecting others, affecting others, affecting others. For the last nearly quarter of a century. Can you believe Lynn and I have been the leaders of this church almost a quarter of a century? Almost. We obviously started late teens and... uh, (laughs) We 
found something in scripture that we felt was just impressed upon our heart. And as we unpacked it, we realized it wasn't just our era, but previous eras have also taken hold of this mandate. It comes from the book of Isaiah. I want you to notice a couple of very important words as I read verse 12 from Isaiah 58. It says, your people, this is amazing. Those first two words caught me, captivated me. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of the broken walls, restorer of streets to dwell in. In my Bible, some of those words have got capitals, and no doubt that is also speaking about the work of Jesus in that moment. But it also, it's not just up to him, it's up to us. Your people will be part of this transformative process. See, we we as a church often pray for a move of God, but let me tell you what he's looking for, a move of us. Oh, come on, you need to be a little more excited because here's the promise. You, his people, are going to be part of a restorative, transformative work in cities as people hear the good news of Jesus. We have a mandate. We have a responsibility, and today... To really amplify this, I want you now to come with me to the book of Acts. It's the third chapter. Because this really, for me, highlights what God is doing in our church, in our lives, in this season. Acts chapter 3 says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate, Called what? Beautiful. Where he was put, underline this, every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Here's some words to underline. But what I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. What I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, Praising God. Do it again, Jesus. Do it again, Jesus. You know, I I know we're reading right now, and that narrative is around 2,000 years old, but I'm going to ask you today to look with me with fresh eyes. I want you to look with me at, at this story as though it's happening in your street, as though it's happening in your community. I want you to see and believe that the same God that used Peter and John on that day is alive and well and wants to use you. Your people will be part of changing lives in Jesus' name. In verse 1, we see Peter and John, they're going to a prayer meeting. It was 3 in the afternoon. They're part of their 24-7 prayer challenge and uh, they're all getting together and, and at three in the afternoon and they're off there on to prayer. And, and as they approach the temple, you see that in verse two, there's a crippled man and, and he'd been crippled from birth. And he was carried and he was put in front of the gate called Gate Beautiful. He, he had a life-controlling problem that was not his fault. 
It's very easy, especially if you've been following Jesus for a little while and your life's all great now. It's very easy to look at people and be judgmental. To make assumptions. It wasn't his fault. He didn't ask to be born like that. And he, here he is on this day. Peter and John are coming, as has happened so many days for so many years of his life. He's there put in front of the gate. What an irony. The gate is called beautiful. And his life is anything but. This great ornate gate which people would use to come and go from morning and afternoon prayers. And there he is, in front of a gate called Beautiful, with his life feeling the effects of his condition. He couldn't even go into the temple. Religious rules meant that somebody with his disability could not even go in for prayer. People are walking by, and here he is, with his beggar's clothes and his beggar's cap, saying, you know, arms for the poor, arms for the poor. Heaven knows what he would get. Heaven knows what people would give him. Day after day, living on handouts. Until, until, one day, one day, one life, met some people that knew about the power of one name, the name above any other name. Enter Jesus' followers, Peter and John, you see it in verse 3, and it says, when the blind man, sorry, the crippled man saw them, he wondered, could these people of faith give me something that'll get me through this day? Can they perhaps even give me some hope? Maybe they can, in one moment, give me more than people have given me all week. Maybe. He wondered as, as they approached. And, and, you know, as I'm reading this, I pondered, what do people expect when I approach them? When I walk into their day, when I walk into their room, does somehow expectation rise? Oh, they're here. They carry the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, they're here. They represent a God that is love. They represent a God that is compassion and kind. Maybe, maybe they can bring a difference in my world. Maybe they can actually help change my circumstance. Do you ever ponder how people actually assume the effect of your presence in their lives? Actually, what it's going to look like? I got, I got a better question. Do you ever wonder how people feel when they see your name light up on the mobile phone? I want people to go, oh, yes. It's Wayne Alcorn. Not, oh, no. Peter and John, in, in he walk, and they walk into, not just into his space, but into his life. Verse 4, Peter looks straight at him. Oh, there's something magnificent just about that thought. If we truly want to be people who God uses for transformation, some of, we, of us are praying, oh, God, bring revival. God, change my school, my uni, my summer. Can, can we today, from looking at this, just say, it starts one life at a time. It just starts one life at a time. Some of us think, ah, oh, this is too big. Yes, it's massive. But you know what? When we change the life of one in the power of Jesus' name, no, no one will know where that goes. Here's the big thought. If you want to be used by God for transformation, 
Here's the big thought. You have to be interruptible. You have to be inter- you, you are prepared to be interrupted. I think one of the, 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 the problems that some of us have is we're just too busy. I tell our staff regularly throughout the year, stop using the word busy. Just say I'm disorganized. <laughs> Leave margin in your life. You, you never know what looks like an interruption could be an opportunity for a miracle. Sometimes we just get too busy, too rushed. I remember a couple of years ago, I was moving between Brisbane to Logan and back to Brisbane on a Sunday morning, and, and, and the time was tight, and you know, they're still singing like, Are you come? yeah, I'm on my way, but I was behind Brisbane's slowest driver. And I'm saying to the young guy who was with me, pass him. Pastor Wayne, I can't. Get closer, let him know. Come on. And something happened to my house. just... Just slow down, just in case they're going to our church. (laughs) You never guess. They drove into our car park. So good to see you. You're half an hour late, but you're worth waiting for. It's okay. Sometimes we get so wound up on stuff that isn't that important, actually. There's always room. And we just need to be people whose hearts are soft and can respond to those little promptings, stop and look at that person. Look at them. Could you imagine a man, he spent his life, most beggars have their face down. If you've been to Middle Eastern countries, you'll see them, they're often on their mat and their hands, I don't even know how they can cope with that, the pain of it. They're down, they don't even look at people, but, but Peter and John said, look at me. Look at me. He said, look at me. <laughs> Just like that. Move on. So look at me. The Bible says the eyes are the window to the soul. Whoa. Somebody that had been branded by all kinds of names, cripple, beggar, pauper. And Peter and John invited him to a new level of dignity. Can we just let people know that we see them? They're not invisible. They matter. Look at us, they said, and verse 5 says he engaged with expectation. He, he, the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something for them. Hey, he didn't know what he was about to get. As the old preacher said, he was looking for arms and he got legs. <laughs> Look at them expecting. Now, now, here comes a pivotal moment. This almost needs the music score building behind it. Peter says to them, we don't, we don't have money to give you. But what I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. Come on up in Darwin, you got something to give. Whether you're in Redlands or whether you're in Ipswich or in Morton, in Lund- you've got something to give. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Not my name, not the name of my church, not the name of some preacher I watch on YouTube. In the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who came to heal, save and set free. Get up and walk. The Bible says they take him, he stands up, strength comes, takes a step of faith. And then for the first time in his life, oh my goodness, first time in in his life, he goes to church. There's lots of things 
disabilities, issues that keep people out of places of worship. But oh, I'm going to tell you there's a work, there's a grace that comes in and through the name of Jesus that causes them to realize they're whole and healed in his name. They've got dignity, they're loved, and they are welcome. The one who said, whosoever will may come. You may be a brand new person that's come in. Maybe you're still online checking us out. I'm going to tell you, you're welcome. You matter. Nothing prohibits you from coming into the presence of God with God's people. He cares for you. He opens his arms and welcomes you in. Jumps to his feet. All of them that saw him, you haven't got it on the screen, but it says when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit there begging. And they're all filled with awe and wonder. And they're going, heck, isn't that the guy that couldn't walk? Isn't that the guy whose life-controlling issues meant that he spent his life on handouts? Bible tells us that signs and wonders follow those that believe. Any believers in the house today? Signs and wonders follow. Let me tell you the greatest sign and wonder you'll ever show anybody is you. Uh, Isn't that Bob? Bob? Bob's life was a mess. Look, he's walking different. He's met a God who's the glory and the lifter of his What What has happened? That sign is just a signpost to a good, caring, living and loving God. The, the focus isn't on me. It's on the one who has the name above every other name. Can you say amen? So as we respond to the prophetic word that is over this house in this new year, We believe strongly with conviction that it's meant to be a year of transformation. The challenge is that transformation is not just for them, whoever they are, but it starts in me. Yeah, he wants to do so much for so many. Yes, he wants to do so much through you. But let me tell you, hear the word of the Lord. God wants to do a fresh work of transformation in you, whether you've been following him one day or whether you've been following him for a century, whether you're yet to even meet him. He wants to work in your life. He's a good God. He sees, he sees beneath your fashion. He sees the cry of your heart. And he, by the power of his Holy Spirit, wants in this new season to do a work of transformation for you. Can you say amen? As followers of Christ, we're called be his ambassadors. We're called to have a ministry of reconciliation, but it's first in, before through. little word I put in my journal the other day. In me, before for them. Me before them. That's the work of transformation. So we bring the message of Jesus that transforms. What we have... We what? Give. That's the kingdom. We receive. Do you freely you receive? Freely give. What we have, we give. What what do we have? Well, we have the name of Jesus. We have the name of Jesus. 
I'm so glad that situations that are beyond me, situations that sometimes overwhelm me, I don't have to address them just in my intellect or my experience, but in the name of Jesus. Bible tells me in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, one of those classic verses you really need to memorize. It says this, everyone, how many is that? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know that word saved doesn't just mean salvation. It doesn't just mean salvation. The word in the Greek is sozo, S-O-Z-O. It means whole in every area of your life. So hear me today. We're going to have a moment of ministry very soon. And you need to know, you call on the name of the Lord. If you're sick, sozo. If you've been bound up, sozo. If you're not yet following Jesus, so Body, soul, spirit. Call on the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, miracles happen. Everyone that calls, we've got that name. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We're a church that believes in the power of the Holy Ghost. We're even a church that calls him the Holy Ghost sometimes. We have the power of the Spirit of God. It's not by might and it's not by power. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. And all these things are activated by faith. These signs will follow those who... We've got it last year for us. It was a year of just digging again those wells, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and again begin to believe for new things. Step into a new dimension of faith. By faith. Me before them. Me before them. This work of transformation is not just for others. It's for me. Say, it's for me. If you're in Logan, shout it. It's for me. If you're in Darwin, tell your neighbor, it's for me. It's for me. This work of transformation, I believe God wants to take us deeper in him. Can you say amen? He wants us to be whole in life. He wants relationally for us to be healthy. He wants us to experience a freshness in our spirit. He wants us to come under the influence of a new anointing, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to have a fresh confidence in the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. And I want to take you a little further than that. He also wants you to come into a new day of transformation where you and your household live under the blessing of God. I love the fact that we are connected like this live today. We're going to do that a few times. We just feel like this is such a significant moment in Hope Center's season that that we're going to have ministries and moments. We actually, we're going to all come together. We're all going to lean in. Pastor Paul de Jong is going to be with us in two weeks. Many of you are praying for Pastor Paul. Christmas, two, nearly two and a half years ago now, he called us. And he began to tell us how, he said, Wayne, they've just diagnosed me. I had a melanoma which got into my brain. I, my, my head is full of brain cancer. As well as that, it's in all these different organs. And he began to list them. I said, how are you doing? This is what he said to me. Talk about faith. He said, Wayne, I feel incredibly honored that God would allow me to steward this miracle. And only a couple of weeks ago, he had another PET scan. There is not one sign of a cancer cell living in his body. And he's going to be with us in two weeks. Don't miss that. That's not even an online moment. You want to get in rooms. You want to get in places where the atmosphere is charged with faith. 
in the following night, on the Monday night, here's something really cool. You need to be part of this. Again, there's a mandate upon my friend Paul de Jong's life to, to actually help church and to help individuals and families step into a new dimension of favor and financial blessing. We've got a one-night seminar, God, Money, and Me. We're not going to charge you a cent. We want you to come into a season of transformation where you're no longer spending your emotional energy worried about how you're going to pay the next bill. God wants you to prosper. We pray this over you. Not some tacky, junky prosperity doctrine that gets a little bit taken out of context, by the way. 3 John 2, we pray it over you all the time. We pray that you prosper and you be in health as, say as, as you, that's where it starts, as your soul prospers. We want you to prosper so that you actually are living in a space where you cannot contain the overwhelming blessing of God. And you know where it starts? Obeying the book. Paul's going to give you some wisdom and some strategies and then it's over to you to see what you do with what God says in his word. So many areas that he wants to transform you. I can see families. I can see marriages and a new level of joy and healing. I can see relationships generationally healed as we allow him to work by the power of the Spirit of God in our life. So here's, here's where we're going to land this today. There are three specific areas that I want us to prioritize in this year of transformation personally. Three areas that I believe God is going to use very significantly to help you come into a new season in him. Firstly, it's the spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, We all with unveiled faces contemplate. New King James says, We behold the Lord's glory and are being what? Say the word with me. Transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Worship and devotion provide us these beautiful platforms and vehicles to behold our king. And as we behold him, well, can I invite you this year to prioritize personal devotion? Can I invite you this year to prioritize gathering in moments like you're in right now in the temple, as it was called in the old days, in small groups where we can actually be encouraging each other and worshipping, but also it starts with a personal devotion of life. And as we hold him, he works by his spirit. I'm going to be believing this year there's, there's just a fresh wave of the anointing and many, many people are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By the time I was 10, I was put in hospital twice. Doctors couldn't work out what my problem was. My stomach would not be like a brick. Just so afraid, just fearful, insecure. And I got through life and I I covered that with all kinds of bravado and ego, but on the inside I was still that same little boy until one night at home. On my own, I got so desperate, I cried out to God, and in a moment, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, I can relate to Peter, who was a coward. I can relate to Peter, who even didn't acknowledge Jesus as his friend. I can, I can, I can relate to him. Fear and, 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 and all that stuff that goes with it, all the emotion goes with it. But one day, he experienced what Jesus promised. You shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when your Spirit of God comes upon you, verse 8 of Acts 1, you will receive power. Oh, say power. You 
You'll receive power when this Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. A coward becomes a preacher. Uh, Somebody who was afraid becomes as bold as a lion. How? He had a personality change? No, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. It's time for us to experience again the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the power of the fire of God. I'm going to tell you, it's revolutionary. The Spirit of God, the Word of God. There are a few things on the planet that have the capacity to transform your life compared to the Word of God. In Romans 12, I was reading it this week. It's my study book at the moment, the book of Romans. I was reading chapter 12. There there was a call to not conform to society's standards, but to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Let me tell you, there is nothing on the planet that will change you and change your thinking like the Word of God. In fact, Paul, Paul, who he tells us of how much Christ loved the church in, in Ephesians 5, and then he said in verse 26, this is how much he loves it. He loves the church to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the... I look, I, I, newsflash, I've been brainwashed by the Word of God. By the Word of God. Daily, the water of the word, washing, 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 that has transformative power. Spirit of God, the word of God. And let me tell you something else. You know what God's given you? The people of God. He's given you the people of God. <laughs> Community. God uses people to help us change, to help us grow. Vulnerability, accountability, prayer, bearing one another's burdens. That's why we're such strong believers in life groups in our church. We, we just, even this week, have had in our own home a life group and, and just a sense of God. And, and, and as people are carrying and, and, and carrying each other's burdens and caring and loving, it, it, it's amazing. Moments like this, we need each other. You need the people in your row. So get to meet them. You need them. I, a lot of times people say to me, I don't, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I said, no, you need to go to church so you don't become selfish. No, I'm serious. We need each other. Stirring each other, mobilizing each other, speaking the word of God, encouraging each other, and serving. So many opportunities to serve. Just, just have a talk to any of your pastors in any of your sites. There are opportunities everywhere to serve. And you know what? In serving others, you are benefiting. The Bible says when we refresh others, we're refreshed. So cool. So, so maybe it's time that we actually, in this year of transformation, say, you know what? God's going to give me opportunities to serve others. And in doing that, there's going to be a transformative work happens in me. Sometimes it's humbling. I know key leaders that hold significant roles in our church that happily serve on a Sunday in the car park. Never saying, I'm bigger than this and better than this. I know busy business people that drive buses on Sunday, drive them on Friday nights. I know dads who give up busy weeks, Friday nights, just to make sure the youth in some of our sites are safe. Serving. Serving. We have so much to tell you. Next month, March, is Missions Month in our church family. 
We've got so much to tell you that God is wanting to do in us and through us, down the road and around the globe. So many cool things. And we're so proud of all of you. This just, you know, it's, it's incredible. But the need, the opportunity, uh, it's enormous. We can't do everything, but we can meet our beggar at the gate, beautiful. We can make a difference for the one. And when we're all helping the one, you never know the knock-on effect, bigger and broader than that. But it all starts in me. It all starts in me. I want to live a life where I can say, you know your greatest need's not financial? I know what you need because I've received it. And what I've received, I'm going to give in Jesus' name.